MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, October 23rd, 2019. Today, an update on Khashoggi, another Trump donor is indicted, Bill Taylor's testimony, new impeachment polls, and a new anonymous book. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today are Jordan Coburn Hello. and Amanda Reeder. Hello. 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 This is Doug. <laughs> Hello. Sorry, memeing. Uh, how is everyone? Is everyone good? Good, yeah. A bit hot. It got to 90 today in San Diego. Yep. We're doing that one week at the end of October where we mm-hmm. get a massive heat wave. Santa Ana's are coming in. Everything is dry. I've yeah. got, like knifey boogers. It's <laughs> always when the procrastinators go east to Julian too to the pumpkin patches thinking they're going to have some nice fall experience. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you, dude. You're getting sweaty ass. This yeah. ha- I think this happened to me around this time last year. Yeah. Isn't Typical it? East Coaster. I was like, I have to have some fall. Yeah. Yeah. You go out to Bates Nut Farm. <laughs> so hot yeah and then you're like sold with the dried fruit yeah. two hours after <laughs> one of our fans one of our fans in canada For gourds t- tweeted me this morning after the canadian election and was like here's a picture of some fallen leaves if you remember those oh <laughs> was Ooh. Like, am i right the knife you don't have seasons down there nudge nudge yeah oh uh, yeah what a good joke. Like, yeah well i also don't remember freaking raincoats yeah mm. do you remember uh, i don't know why i got so competitive about that just then <laughs> <They were> like, <laughs> fuck your health care we have raincoats <laughs> jesse who was yeah we don't need health care uh, <laughs> Jesse, who was on our show this week, uh, has a joke about that. He's like, wouldn't it be the easiest job being a weatherman in San Diego? He'd be like, well, we have a front coming in of jealousy from the East Coast. <laughs> just, He's so good. He's so funny. That he being is. said, the whole microclimate thing, I thought it was just, oh, sunny and nice in San Diego all the time. But no, you watch the local news here and there's like nine different forecasts. Yeah. We have mm-hmm. like the desert and yeah, the like mountain Santee area and, and La Jolla. Yeah, yeah. The coastal yeah. The only place I've seen it like more severe in a smaller area is the Big Island of Hawaii. Yeah. Like there are so many different climates there. It's just not snow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting. Um, very. But yeah, it's very hot. So it is. Uh, and so's the news. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did want to let everybody know we have a new format um, that's going. We're working on right now. We're going to be bringing in guest hosts, uh, rotating guest hosts, to get different voices um, on on the pod. And uh, as you know, we're going to start doing video in here. Um, we found a really cool company that uh, rescues trees, meaning like tr- like they make furniture out of trees that they don't chop down. They, yeah. Like they they. Right now, today, they're at, I think, USD building benches for them that were that are made of fallen trees from the water drought mm-hmm. that couldn't be rescued. So they rescue and repurpose them. Um, and you know, hopefully they'll make a, a neat uh, a podcast table for us or something, some, some sort of thing that's better than this IKEA uh, round jobby that we have. From we, a freshly cut tree, probably, no less. <laughs> freshly compressed <laughs> Uh, paper ass. Mm-hmm. Um, we will probably not look as good as the studio. Uh, maybe you guys. I can only speak for myself. It's going to be absolutely not. No, it's I'm not wearing be makeup. Jammies time. Um, for real. 
Uh, but I'm excited about that. If you want to get that, get those videos of, of us in studio, you just got to go to, to patreon.com slash the daily beans and mm-hmm. sign up. You'll be patron of both shows. Um, We're going to have to really check our teeth, make sure there's no parsley situations or something. People are going to lose focus. Or we can just totally black out our teeth. Well, that's just much less distracting. Just add parsley. <laughs> We're actually rotting from the inside. What if we had now the news? <laughs> theme, theme days, like onesie Fridays. Oh, that would oh, be yeah. fun. You know what I mean? Send us ideas for theme days. We wear yeah. pink. Oh, yeah, you can't sit with us. Wear my onesie <laughs> for you on the video. It's probably going to be onesie day more often than not. Like people are like, you just did onesie day. Yep, you're right. We just really like onesie day. Yeah, especially in the wintertime. <laughs> and with Febreze, anything is possible. That's true. <laughs> All roads lead to Putin and Febreze. <laughs> I had an old boss a few years ago at a job in London who shamed me so hard for using Febreze. Like, never recovered. Why? She was like, every single time you spray Febreze in your house, you are breathing in toxic air. Do you know what you're doing to yourself? And I still use Febreze, but I feel bad about it. Yeah, oh. well, poop air is toxic also, and this just makes it more palatable so you're not losing twice. <laughs> I thought you said poo bear. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for poo bear. No, you're poop air. I got it. Okay. Yeah, honestly, everything's killing you, but I don't want to smell poop. Yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah. It's going to kick reals. you Ira, down. What's that poop spray they make? Unicorn. Oh, yes. Poopery. Um, poopery. But we use a, oh, what's it called? Unicorn. Something. Unicorn something. Unicorn snot. No. I don't know. I have like five products. different poop sprays in my bathroom. That's probably <laughs> for telling you all poops. way too much. Yeah. yeah. Good for your diet, though. <laughs> You're gonna need pooping a lot is good. Life is like a box of Amanda's poo sprays. You never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> also, a squatty potty, and don't eat this. If you don't have a squatty potty, you're missing out on. Oh life. yeah, it's ergonomic yeah. bliss. Yeah. yeah, yes, it is. Okay. That's the only way to describe that. Everybody poops. Uh, we have a lot of news to get to today. My dude, Bill Taylor, testified. Uh, on Capitol Hill for 10 hours. Um, and of course, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. I'm actually just going to go through his opening statement because uh, from what I'm understanding, his testimony was just questions about his statement and him confirming uh, in multiple ways. If anything else additional comes out, right now it's 5.30 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time on uh, Tuesday. No, Monday? Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? It is. Holy crap. Tuesday no. the 22nd. October 22nd. So <clears throat> there's your timestamp so that you know where we're at in the news. Uh, but we do have a lot to get to, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, so massive beans today as Bill Taylor, the ambassador to the EU that took over after Marie Yovanovitch, whose name I learned today is Masha, Masha Yovanovitch, was driven out by Giuliani and others, including Pete Sessions and ultimately Trump, Uh, He testified, Bill Taylor testified before the three impeachment committees today, and early on we got an inkling of how absolutely and unequivocally damning it was from lawmakers who were on breaks um, telling the press it's the most significant thing they've ever heard. One guy who's, he's only been in Congress for 10 months, but he's like, this is the most troubling shit I've ever heard in my whole Congress time. Yeah, he looked like a kid that just got told Santa wasn't real. Yeah, he, he might have. He's like, Ugh. That would be interesting. Like, well, I was texting Volker and Sundlin and Santa's not real. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of how hard this hit today. Even Neil Katyal was like, this is absolutely, like, unequivocally damning and just in- insane. And I knew it would be. And I'm so glad that it was because I've, I was, if it was going to be like some, some of the same old, same old shit, I'd have been really disappointed. But he he was uh, contacted by the State Department early this morning and told not to testify. Oh, my God. Why did they even make that call? But again, the Dems had, yeah, just add on to the obstruction pile. <laughs> the Dems had a subpoena ready and, and, and gave the subpoena out to provide cover because he, he wanted to come in anyway. And so he did. Uh, and let's talk about it. Apparently, 
There were sighs and gasps during his 15-page opening statement. Uh, and there's so much important information in here. I'm just going to read from Bill Taylor's opening statement, and then we'll discuss it as we go. I'm, I'm not going to cool. read the entire statement, uh, but the the parts. Yeah, it was like 15 pages or something. Yeah, I took it? him an hour to read it. So, oh god. But the parts that I thought were <laughs> significant. That's um, such a long opening. Yeah, I know. Because usually they only give him like five minutes. Yeah. But they 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 decided it was cool. I'm glad. And so he says, in August and September of this year, I became increasingly concerned that our relationship with Ukraine was being fundamentally undermined by an irregular, informal channel of U.S. policymaking and by withholding of vital security assistance for domestic political reasons. Boom. Right out the gates. Yeah. Take off running. Fuck yeah. So he says, as the committees are now aware, I said on September 9th in a message to Ambassador Gordon Sondland that withholding security assistance in exchange for help with a domestic political campaign in the United States would be crazy. I believed that then, and I still believe that. Uh, Yeah, in May of this year, when Secretary Pompeo asked me to go back to Kiev, I wanted to say yes, but it was not an easy decision. Um, The former ambassador, Masha Yovanovitch, had been treated poorly, caught in a web of political machinations, both in Kiev and in Washington. And I feared that those problems were still present. Um, So when I talked to her about accepting the offer, she urged me to go, both for policy reasons and for the morale of the embassy. I worried about he also uh, went into his he gave a whole like intro. He went to West Point, Army veteran, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like been in ambassadorships and been working for the government since the 80s. He was initially... Uh, hired by Reagan, and then he was appointed ambassador to an ambassadorship by Bush. He's been around forever. I wonder what um, what it was that made uh, Trump think you'd be sympathetic when he nominated him for that position. I don't know, but what I do know is that he they got rid of the of Masha Yovanovitch, mm-hmm. brought him in, and didn't include him in a lot. And he'll say that here. He's okay. like, I was left out of a lot of shit. The only reason that I was involved in this irregular channel of U.S. diplomacy is because they of needed me. conversations I had to have with Volcker and Sunland. And that might be the, the nail in the coffin for Trump, honestly. He said, I worried about what I'd heard concerning the role of Rudolph Giuliani, who had made several high-profile statements about Ukraine and U.S. policy toward the country. So during my meeting with Secretary Pompeo on May 28th, I made clear to him and others present that if U.S. policy toward Ukraine changed, he would not want me there, and I could not stay uh, if it did. And he assured me that the policy of strong support for Ukraine would continue, and he would support me in defending that policy. Uh, There were two separate channels of policymaking, one regular and one highly irregular. (laughs) 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 Sounds like my periods. Hey, Hey Giuliani. Everyone Everyone, to the next. Yes, everyone who bleeds is thinking that. Giuliani (laughs) menstrual cycles. Yeah. Very highly irregular. Uh, As chief of the mission, I had authority over the regular channel. At the same time, there was an irregular informal channel, which included Volcker, Sundland, Rick Perry, and Rudy Giuliani. I was clearly in the regular channel, but I was also in the irregular one to the extent Volcker and Sundland included me in certain conversations. The irregular channel began when Volcker, Sundland, Rick Perry, and Senator Ron Johnson briefed Trump on their return upon their return from Zelensky's inauguration. They urged Trump to meet with Zelensky, but from what I understand, Trump did not share their enthusiasm uh, for a meeting. So in June and July, when I first arrived in Kiev, the actions of both the regular and irregular channels served the same goal, a strong U.S.-Ukraine partnership. But by August, it became clear the channels had diverged in their objectives, and I became increasingly concerned. In June, the goal of both channels was to facilitate a visit by Zelensky to the White House, which Trump had promised in his congratulatory letter, the one that Perry, Volker, Sundland, and Ron Johnson delivered 
uh, he had promised in his congratulatory, congratulatory letter from May 29th. It didn't say do not congratulate <laughs> like the one for Putin. <laughs> Um, the Ukrainians were eager uh, for the meeting to happen, obviously, and during a June 18th call between Volker, Sundland, Reeker, Perry, and Breckbuehl, it was clear the goal was a meeting between the two presidents. Reeker is the Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs, and Breckbuehl is the counselor to the U.S. Department of State, so a lawyer from the State Department. So I thought I think it's interesting the way that he's implicating Rick Perry here. Because it seems to me like, because remember Rick Perry resigned, and then he didn't, Mm -hmm. and then he did. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if he did, thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I remember what I did. (laughs) But then somebody was like, don't worry about it, bro. And so he unresigned. There's a lot of unresigning and unrecusing in this administration. But then it became clear that Bill Taylor was going to testify, and then Rick Perry was like, oh, yeah, I'm out again. Yeah, that makes sense to me that maybe some counsel talked to him and tried to persuade him. And then he's like, OK, I could see that. Wait, never mind. Yeah, that was dumb. I'm leaving. Yeah, I, think in the I'm, face. I am a criminal. <laughs> I am a criminal. <laughs> and he skipped out like oh, dancing no, with the star. I crimed. <laughs> uh, I'm a crimer. <laughs> uh, so that is so far what we have. Uh, I'm going to keep continuing. Um, but so far, does anybody have any questions about anything? Because uh, it's, I mean, I think basically in the beginning here, he just talks about what a cool dude he is, how he's a, mm-hmm. a career guy. Uh, and then he was he was the regular channel like like Masha Yovanovitch was Marie Yovanovitch and there was an irregular channel highly irregular menstrual channel and <laughs> he was supposed to be in the regular one because he's part of the State Department but he was dragged into the irregular channel through conversations with Volker and Sunland. The irregular channel should not exist period right correct yeah that, that's mm-hmm. the shadow diplomacy that um, uh, Fiona Hill uh, testified to and that. Uh, Marie Ivanovich testified to. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a pretty strong statement for him to come out and from the gate invoke this metaphor, right? Of yeah. one thing that's legit and one thing that's not, and just from that point forward, talk about everything in that context. It's such a strong statement. It's like a treasonous Robert Frost poem. <laughs> <laughs> Two policies diverged in the wood, and I took the regular one <laughs> and then the winter <laughs> the thing is as well is you, you can't you ex- start giving that at commencement speeches <laughs> instead of the uh, the old one you can't expect to put someone in that position who's been in government for decades who's been a career person mm-hmm. and not expect them to understand the letter of the law yeah yeah you seriously know? that is dumb that they wouldn't even have to, like why would pump you said a. Uh, Pompeo gave him the promise that they were going to stick with their normal, you know, benevolent sort of stance on Ukraine and supporting them, right? He gave him that promise. The only thing I can think is that Marie Ivanovich knew too much already. And but 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 he talked but Taylor talked to her and she said take the job. Uh and so I don't know why they put another career professional upstanding diplomat mm-hmm. In this position, knowing they were going to go forward with this shadow policy, unless they just intended to keep him out of the loop, but why didn't they just leave Marie Ivanovich there and keep her out of the loop, or hope that he would, or hope that he would be more sympathetic to going along with things than she had been, mm-hmm. because she had he had less of a history. Yeah, he got the country. the dude bonus. Yeah, yeah I mean, honestly, <laughs> probably. Well, because Trump brought that up, like the woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's going to go through some things. The woman, mm-hmm. you know, like you can just tell. Yeah. Maybe he just thought, hey, maybe I can locker room talk him into this shit or something. But I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know because yeah. because he Trump never actually, I don't think, directed him directly to do anything. He actually testifies as Giuliani. 
Yeah, I have a question. Can you remind me what the context was of those text messages exactly? Yeah, they come in the timeline uh, in here. Cool. Uh, and Because as time goes on and he starts realizing there's this weird shadow foreign policy, he starts airing his concerns. Got it. Okay. And, and yeah, because I, I wasn't aware of who initiated that conversation exactly. I just heard of the, the bombshell middle segment. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so it, the, you know, the timeline, if you read the entire 15 page opening statement, the text messages in their entirety are in there, not, in, not in their entirety, but in, in the timeline. Okay. So cool. you'll see how they fall. Um, but it's basically when he starts uh-oh, something, mm, this it doesn't feel like the U.S.-Ukraine policy Pompeo promised mm-hmm. me. And so in that case, you know, what was Pompeo doing? Was he turning a blind eye or did he legitimately not know? Or was he totally involved in just lying to these to these diplomats? You know, and I think we'll get into that shortly. So mm-hmm. we will be right back um, with more opening statements uh, and, and the bombshells that are in it and, and more discussion in just one minute. After these messages, we'll be right back. Daily Beans is brought to you by Third Love, and I am obsessed with Third Love bras. I have four of them because they fit me perfectly. First bras to ever fit me perfectly. Third Love uses uh, data points generated by over 14 million women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz. And uh, the great thing is Third Love takes breast size and shape into mind. It's not just one shape and, you know, just worry about the cup size and the band size. They talk about breast shape and they're the industry leader with over 80 sizes, including their signature half cup size, which is where I fall. And I think between 40 and 50 percent of women fall. That's why I could never find the perfect fitting bra until Third Love. And they're convenient and philanthropic. And, you know, that's important to us. First, you can skip the trip to the store just by jumping online and taking their one minute Fit Finder quiz. And then you try it on at home. And you put it to the test, you can wash it and wear it for 60 days, and if it's not the perfect fit for you, you can send it back, uh, no return or exchange fees, hassle-free, and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a person in need. So this is hands down the most comfortable bra you'll ever own. The straps don't dig or slip. They're tagless, so you don't have the itchy tag. They have lightweight, super thin memory foam cups that are proprietary to Third Love that mold to your shape. And they're just so breathable and comfortable. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first for- first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash dailybeans now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash dailybeans for 15% off today. Okay, welcome back. So we left off with Bill Taylor describing the two channels, the two roads in the wood, and uh, the sketch channel and the legit channel, and how at first they both had the same goal, uh, which was maintain you know proper policy between U.S. and Ukraine, and to have a, a White House meeting between between Trump and Zelensky, <laughs> uh, between Trump and Zelensky. That was they were all on the same page at that point in June, July. And then he goes on to say, it was clear both channels had the same goal for Trump and Zelensky to meet. But during my subsequent communications with ambassadors Volker and Sundlin, they relayed to me that Trump wanted to hear from Zelensky before scheduling the meeting in the Oval Office. It was not clear to me what that meant. So this is kind of the beginning of where Trump is getting the idea that he should get something out of all this. You know what I mean? But at this point, Bill Taylor is still like, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean... Because no one's explicitly told him what Trump wants to talk to him about mm-hmm. before he agrees to a meeting. He's mm. like, 
that's weird. Wonder mm-hmm. what conditions he's going to put on the meeting. Because yeah. I mean, we all there's so many meetings that we have that our president has with other diplomats that have conditions. Like mm-hmm. you have to either denuclearize the peninsula, or you have to agree to this, or you have to stop this civil rights or human yeah. rights violation, yeah, or you have to do a ceasefire. There's you know, sometimes but there's they're not conditions. to do with domestic issues. Correct. Yeah. And so, but that's I think why Bill Taylor was like, huh? I wonder what. Hmm. I wonder what the conditions are. It's, it sounds like there's going to be conditions. Because he wants to speak to him before the scheduling the uh, the meeting at the Oval Office, uh, and and keep in mind the same thing happened with Taylor in that the State Department told him not to appear. Right, so he's he's not a reluctant witness, but he he was a reluctant ambassador. He, he almost didn't want to take the job. He mm-hmm. actually consulted his wife about it too, and and she was like, "Hey, government." Duty calls, you know, and and he was like, all right. Yeah, if that duty was a literal duty. Duty. (laughs) Just a giant ass black hole of drama. Yep. You need the duty spray. I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you put it into the black hole. (laughs) I I imagine if, uh, I mean, he's worked with Yovanovitch for a long time, right? So he's probably just thinking, oh, God, this cannot be good. What's going to happen after this if she's just been pushed out? Yeah, he just, but he just wasn't sure, like, what? is this about so uh he continues to say on june 27th ambassador sundland told me during a phone conversation the president Zelensky needed to make clear to president trump that he was not standing in the way of investigations and i think that's when it started to click for him Mm. was the end of uh june but the next day uh, he says, I thought it was odd when Ambassador Sundland told me on June 28th that he did not wish to include most of the regular interagency participants in a call planned with President Zelensky later that day. Ambassador Sondland, Ambassador Volker, Secretary Perry and I were all on this call, dialing in from different locations. However, Ambassador Sondland said he wanted to make sure no one was transcribing or monitoring when they added President Zelensky to the call. Also, before President Zelensky joined the call, Ambassador Volker separately told the U.S. participants that he planned to be explicit with Zelensky in a one-on-one meeting in Toronto on July 2nd about what Zelensky should do to get the White House meeting. So there's a more clear sort of... The quid. Yes. Yeah. What he, I'm going to be explicit with him in Toronto on July 2nd about what he should do to get the White House meeting. So now there's something he needs to do. Mm-hmm. But juicy, at this juicy. point, Taylor still doesn't know what it is. Okay. I like this narrative arc he's laying out for us. No, it's good. He says, <laughs> actually, he says, again, it was not clear to me at the time what this meant. But Volcker noted he would relay that Trump wanted to see the rule of law, transparency, but also specifically cooperation on investigations to get to the bottom of things. <laughs> It's so, so you just perfectly substitute like, all those general words. <laughs> I know, right? Big, big picture between Trump and Zelensky. This is a guy who plays dick with a piano and the you're fired guy. Yeah. Oh, I mean, honestly. Piano yeah. dick, you're fired. Yeah. Now we need to now we need to mash up the dick piano and a you're fired uh, yes. thing. Clips. Get on it, fans. Do it. Also, somewhat related... <laughs> Uh, the poop spray that I really like is called Unicorn Gold. Unicorn oh, Gold. Perfect. I looked it up for you. Good Somewhat related. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Squid Pro Pupe. <laughs> so, P-E-W-P. So Pupe. by the end of July, he's like, all right, sketch. For sure sketch. Here's what he's saying. Here's, you're so good. Because he says, by mid-July, it was becoming clear to me that the meeting President Zelensky wanted was conditioned on the investigations of Burisma 
and alleged Ukrainian interference in the 2016 U.S. elections. It was also clear that this condition was driven by the irregular policy channel I had come to understand was guided by Mr. Giuliani. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mr. Giuliani. So he says in a phone call with Dr. Hill and Mr. Vindman, they tried to reassure me that they were not aware of any official change in the U.S. policy toward Ukraine um, and the Office of Management and Budget announcement. Um, notwithstanding, they did not confirm that the hold on U.S. security assistance for Ukraine came from chief of staff. Oh, so, excuse me. They did confirm that the hold on security assistance for Ukraine came from the chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, and that the chief of staff maintained a skeptical view of Ukraine. So that that ties it directly to Trump. Right. Because now that it's the chief of staff uh, that Mr. Vindman and, and Dr. Hill, uh, even though they reassured him, there was no official change in policy that the withholding of military aid was coming um, directly from Chief of Staff Staff Mick Mulvaney. I hate. Um, Yeah, the worst. Well, not the worst. Pretty bad. Really, really. I just, he looks like the the Nazi face melting guy from. Yeah, someone put that. The Ark of the Covenant. Put that side by side. So many. I've seen so many. In a later call, Ambassador Sundland said the call between President Trump and President Zelensky would take place soon. Ambassador Volker said what was most important was for Zelensky to say that he will help investigations and address any specific personnel issues if there are All right. any. So a little bit more specific than things. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Slowly inching towards the explicit quid pro quo. And then here we go. During a phone call I had with Mr. Morrison, that's Fiona Hill's replacement. He went on to describe a conversation that Sundlin had with Mr. Yermak in Warsaw. Mr. Yermak is a Zelensky rep. And in Warsaw, that's where Pence was, right? A- Ambassador Sondland told Mr. Yermak that the security assistance money would not come until President Zelensky committed to pursue the Burisma investigation. I was alarmed by what Mr. Morrison told me about the Sondland-Yermak conversation. This was the first time that I had heard that security assistant, not just White House meetings, was conditioned on the investigations. That's when he texted, wait a minute. Okay. Are we saying? Cool. That White House meetings and security assistance are conditioned on um, investigations. Mm -hmm. And that's when they were like, "Uh, call me. Yeah, I'd love to see Apple's uh, predictive text on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, duh. Or yes, don't say anything. (laughs) Uh, Call me. Yeah, Ambassador Sondland responded by asking him, asking me to call him, which I did. And then he says, and here's the part that we're, my beans were on, right? I was like, he's going to know what, what was said on that phone call, and he's going to testify to it, and it's going to prove that Sondland lied to Congress. He says, during that phone call, Ambassador Sondland told me that President Trump had told him that he wants Zelensky to state publicly that Ukraine will investigate Burisma and alleged Ukrainian interference in the 2016 U.S. election. There it is. There it is. Wow. I um I saw a qu- uh, tweet from someone that said they heard there's a Democratic lawmaker that leaked that they have a criminal referral for perjury ready for Sondland. Excellent. Because those they are beans. should. Because they should. They seem like beans. There was no... Yeah, this is not good for Sondland. <laughs> yeah. At all. 
No, it's bad. What a wasted million dollars, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Bought that ambassadorship. It's going down in flames. And that's the best schadenfreude ever, right? Right? Oh, <laughs> that should have been well, schadenfreude for today. That's that million dollars you spent working out for you. I know, right? Oh, God. Spent a million dollars to go to jail. <laughs> dude, I will pay for someone ever. to just follow him through jail and just for the rest of time, just take out a $100 bill and just light it on fire and watch it burn just over and over just and over play, again until all of his money is just gone. Just play that bare naked lady song. <laughs> if I had a million dollars, I'd buy an ambassador. Ship, yep. and light it on fire <laughs> like Singapore or Ukraine. If mm-hmm. I had, I'm gonna write that now. I'm gonna yeah, write, and that'd be great. <laughs> or you bring like a like a housing insecure person, give them money, and he's just like, no, or <laughs> just screaming and burning. <laughs> just put a coffee cup outside of his cell that's just too far for him to reach, and just have people rock, walk by and drop change into it. Okay, I'm gonna write a Sondland ballad. To, <laughs> if I had a million dollars. By the bare naked ladies. Maybe they'll help me. I mean, we got they might be giants to do our music. Maybe. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, bare naked ladies. Bare naked ladies. I love the bare naked ladies. <laughs> They're not together anymore. Yeah, but they still live. They still they still live. <laughs> they still walk the earth. I think one of the guys, like, I think he got caught, like, I don't know, with some coke or something in his bag, and oh. the Canadian media was like, <gasps> no, it's amazing. Back he was to like, Anne Murray for you. Yeah, he was like ousted, and he had to like apologize on TV wow. and be like, I'm so sorry that I did drugs. Oh, and, that sucks. I know. He really lost an opportunity no fun to in come Canada. out as being caught with bare naked ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I got bare naked ladies. Why wouldn't I have cocaine on me? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, if you're listening, hit us up. Bare naked ladies, if you're listening, <laughs> we need to record this song. I don't really need you. I know the whole song. Um, but how <laughs> great would it be to have your voice? Uh, and then he said, okay, so this is, okay. Trump told him he wants Zelensky to state publicly Ukraine will investigate Burisma and alleged Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election. And and we know that Burisma is Biden and Ukrainian interference into the 2016 election is so he can uh, take the heat off Russia. Yeah. And that's propaganda. That's Putin propaganda, plain and simple. And it also, you know, makes him look, I don't know, legitimizes his election or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That the I Democrats. I don't know how that would. It. Yeah, right? Well, heck yeah. I, think this, I don't get it. That the I Democrats don't, don't, hacked yeah. themselves and released their own shit and made their lives worse. I, I think this is also, I was reading today um, on, well, I have an article open on Vanity Fair right now, but I think it was reported a few places and perhaps on cable news too. Um, there was more insight into Viktor Orban. And the the Hungarian president and how he helped convince Trump that Ukraine was really corrupt. So he sort of like ganged up on Trump with Putin because Trump's so impressionable and was like, yeah, yeah Ukraine was really corrupt, really corrupt. It's just so, so dumb. Is part of his part of the quid pro quo for Trump, they're saying in terms of his like psyche or his mindset at the time was that he genuinely believes that Ukraine is really corrupt. Yeah. Because of because of the he's uh, so impressionable. Yeah. Because of the influence from from Orban and he got, and Putin. they got him to pull the troops out of Syria, too. And today, mm-hmm. uh, Putin. And made a deal with Turkey. Swooped right in. Yeah, right. Days after. Well, I think I'm pulling off of, um, I forget his name, but there were some experts that I did a show, that panel show the other day up in LA. Improv, yeah, yeah they're, they're professors who like, one of them specializes, I think, in like Ukraine and, and, and stuff, stuff that's very pertinent right now. Let's just say that that was the reason he was on the panel. And he was saying that there is rampant corruption in that country. So I, I think that that's, that's a blanket of somewhat, you know, truth that Trump and his, all of his team is hoping that they could have just kind of relied in and relied on and slept under. I mean, that's what Manafort did. That's where Yanukovych mm-hmm. was. And they've been trying to beat it back. You know, Tymoshenko, uh, and she was jailed with the help of uh, lawyers, Vanderswan and uh, who's the 
got who's our guy Greg Craig mm-hmm. who did that report um, from Scadden and Arps yeah uh, Mager and Flom yeah and uh, and all that so they've been corrupt for a very long time but the mm-hmm. idea that these ambassadors and these states mm-hmm. people are trying to do is to keep that corruption at bay as much right. as they can yeah and and try to drive it out that and that's why Biden and the IMF and everybody said you know your aid depends on you ousting this corrupt mm-hmm. friggin uh, yeah. prosecutor and, general. Yes. Yeah, correct me and if I'm did. wrong, but mm-hmm. um, also wasn't Zelensky seen as sort of like a new movement, a new hope? Totally. Like, of course, there's been corruption and they've been battling, you know, the forces of Russia moving into their country for a long time, you know, culturally and literally. Yes. But um, what a perfect cover to say, right now is your chance to work with the United States and yes. kick mm-hmm. out the corruption or yes, whatever. Exactly. With the new president. And that ultimate irony, obviously, being that they don't want to help eradicate corruption. They just want to steer that country's corruption into a direction and a pro-Putin direction. Right. A pro-Putin yeah. direction and, and, and a pro-Trump. Yeah, and a pro-Trump. Yeah. I refuse to say pro-U.S. <laughs> <laughs> by putting, yes, it's not pro-United States, pro-Trump. <laughs> by putting, by installing people at the head of that uh, gas company that they wanted to be in charge of. Right. Do you feel like average Russians hate Putin as much as uh, Americans hate Trump? No. No? Not in my experience. Oh. I have some friends that are Russian mm-hmm. and they, they are like... I mean, now, I, I imagine they feel differently. Yeah, I apologize if this is like an ignorant question. I don't have a lot of experience or have many Russian friends. I'm only friends. going off of two f- Russian friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> just to take this with a grain of salt. But one of them was very nationalistic uh, hmm. when I knew her and took a lot of like pride in Russia and Putin uh, hmm. and, and very much embodied a sort of trolley tone when she would speak about it. But as far as I'm concerned, still her beliefs were what what she said they were, right? So that was one person that I knew, and another person that I knew was also very similar. Had like this kind of similarly had a sort of reverence for Putin. Hmm. Um, but both of them were living in the United States, and and I don't I don't I don't know. I didn't have enough of a nuanced conversation with them. I wish that I knew, you know, then what I know now. Yeah. Of the intricacies of how Russia would ultimately wind up affecting our democracy. I'm really curious if any of our listeners are Russian. Um, I'm curious to hear about the relationship between, you know, the average Russian and Putin and pe- or people who don't agree with him. Because I don't know a lot about that. Yeah. I only hear about the crappy things. Right. I know, of course, there are. It's only logical that there's a large amount that are against a lot what of he's doing. Yes, yeah. especially yeah, we don't hear about it because so. he controls all the news. Yeah, right. the yeah. state-controlled media. Yeah, <clears throat> my my experience was just going off of before all of this election interference happened, what their opinions seemed to be about gotcha. Putin and about the country. Makes sense. Yeah, and it's only two people, so don't you know, <laughs> me, please. We pulled two people. <laughs> yeah, but they're but they're liberal people. Like I know, I know. They're they're U.S. liberals. But hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Interesting. Uh, so we're on this phone call. To, this is basically, at, like I said, it's after um, he texted Sunland and said, "This is crazy." You know, we're conditioning White House meetings and and uh, military aid on investigations. He's I'm like, "Call July me now." He's like, "Call me." And and so that's after the text. He picks up the phone, calls him. Now Sunland testified that. There was no quid pro quo. Mm-hmm. And if there was, he didn't know that it had to do with the 2020 elections. But here's what Taylor says that phone call ensued or what the phone call included. First part, we've already talked about that Zelensky was to state publicly Ukraine was going to investigate Burisma and Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election. He also told me that he now recognized that he had made a mistake by earlier telling the Ukrainian official to whom he spoke 
that that a White House meeting with President Zelensky was dependent on public announcements of investigations. In fact, everything was dependent on such an announcement, including security assistance. He said that President Trump wanted President Zelensky in a public box by making a public statement about ordering such investigations. So he so he said, yeah, Trump told me uh, Zelensky needs to state this publicly. And remember how I said um, that uh, the White House meeting with Zelensky was dependent um, on public announcements? Uh, It's not just that. Everything's dependent on that public announcement, including security assistance. So Sondland told Taylor everything was dependent on such an announcement. And that is that means that when Sondland told Congress, he didn't know it was dependent that the 2020 election had anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. And that he only said, call me because he wanted to be diplomatic. Mm -hmm. Pants on fire. And that when he came back (laughs) five hours later and said, Trump says no quid pro quo, you're mischaracterizing. That text was an absolute lie because he told Taylor during that phone call that there was an explicit quid pro quo. I wonder if he'd be able to get away with some sort of splitting of words where it's like, well, maybe they were, you know, the necessity was that they investigated Biden, but not necessarily in relation to the 2020 election. Like if he could say something like that, because you said the language is he wasn't aware that it had anything to do with 2020. The 2020 election. He specifically says 2020 election. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he's going to try to parse his words like that. Because, to not know Biden has anything to do right, with the I mean, 2020 obviously, election. Mm-hmm. O- obviously, but I'm just thinking in like a court of law, technically, maybe he's thinking there's a difference between investigating Biden and investigating something in going after the 2020 election. Obviously, any common sense person and anyone in that courtroom even would know that those two things are interchangeable. I don't think you could get off on that one. Yeah. I don't think so. Maybe that's what he thought is going or uh, Sorry. I'm not even going to say that. Maybe that's what he's going to say. That's all I'm could saying. Could be, yeah, could yeah. be. He, that could be his defense. But they are. Yeah. They do want to bring him back in mm-hmm. for more questioning. That's one. That was the number one thing that most people said, including um, heard some of the Republicans on on the committees were like, "We, we need to get uh, we need to get Sondland back." What in immediate here. recourse do they have in terms of him having lied? Um, criminal they can referral make a criminal yeah. referral to the that, you said that happened already right okay. that, there was a tweet that said I've okay. heard word from a democratic lawmaker that they have a criminal referral ready to go for perjury mm-hmm. yeah. yeah they'd have to bring him back I would assume question him again make sure he doesn't revise his statement between now and then basically say you want to change your bullshit story and if he doesn't they make the criminal referral to the department of justice now that's where Barr works so that could be mm-hmm. really interesting to see what happens there. He's already turned down all the investigations in this. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, not even investigating, let alone because there, there have been two criminal referrals made uh, about this uh, issue. Uh, and then let's see. He says the push to make President Zelensky publicly commit to investigations of Burisma and alleged interference in the 2016 election showed how the official foreign policy of the United States was undercut by the irregular efforts led by Mr. Giuliani. Uh, Then my favorite part. Two days later, Taylor talks to Morrison, who told him, Morrison is again, took over Fiona Hill's job. Taylor talked to Morrison, who told him that Trump told Sondland he was not asking for a quid pro quo, but Trump did insist that Zelensky go to a microphone and say he's opening investigations of Biden and 2016 election interference. And that Zelensky should do that himself. (laughs) So it, it seems like Trump's defense is, Right before I ask for a quid pro quo, I should say there's no quid pro quo, mm-hmm. but I need you to do this. Yeah, totally. And the next day, Taylor spoke to Sondland, who said Trump was adamant that Zelensky himself had to clear things up in public 
Uh, and though there's no quid pro quo, if he doesn't clear things up in public, we would be at a stalemate. And Bill Taylor took stalemate to mean no military aid. So, again, Congress wants Sondland back. He lied to their faces. And we do have to note that Taylor's major concern here, and this is a Russian thing, and this is also of concern, uh, but it, I, it didn't really come up too much uh, today in the mainstream media, but it did come up in his opening statement. Uh, one of his major concerns, one he was willing to quit over, was if Zelensky delivered, get, got up, public, public box, whatever the fuck that means, and made the statements that we're going to investigate Biden and we're going to investigate the 2016 Ukrainian involvement and whatever, if he did that and then Trump still didn't release the aid in favor of Putin. He's like, that would be my nightmare. Remember, he said that in the texts and mm-hmm. he said, I would quit. And that's because that would be delivering a gift to Vladimir Putin mm-hmm. on Ukraine policy. Mm-hmm. Being like, yeah. oh, I got you to admit that the things I wanted you to and you didn't get your money. And they had to release it by September 30th by law. Mick Mulvaney even said that in his press conference. Yeah. And outside of the fact that that quid pro quo is sketchy and shouldn't have happened in the first place, if that happened, it would also undermine our country's history or at least there, the perceived history I get when I hear them speaking of keeping our word to other countries, mm-hmm. even if the word is founded on shitty things. But <laughs> true, yeah. But yeah, I mean, pretty much everything that results from this ultimately just is super bad news for the United States and our standing in the world, mm-hmm. and, and whether our allies want to work with us and trust us again. I'm hoping they see this as a blip, and that when we have a, a real president uh, in the White House, that they'll be like, okay, everything's going to be okay again. We can trust him again. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think it'll be instant. I think it's, it's going to have work. to be put back up. And 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 same for the American people and the and their. Um, uh, ability to trust the Department of Justice. Rebuilding trust is is going to take work. God, yes. Yeah. It's going to take a long ass time too. I I still can't get over Mick Mulvaney running around this week being like get over it. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I it just I've watched that clip so many times and mm-hmm. I'm just still reeling about how out in the open it it is. Oh yeah. Well, they're all taking Trump's lead because he's more or less been successful up until this point. True. It's so hard to take his lead though because he switches. <laughs> So often. Yeah, I guess I'm more just meaning character and decorum. Like a drunk guy giving directions on the way home from the bar. No, this way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, guys, it's definitely this way. Yeah. (laughs) This way. And then everyone else is also drunk, so they just have like no choice but to follow. Flapjacks right about now. (laughs) Should we stop for pizza? No, flapjacks. (laughs) And oh, yeah, don't drive on the railroad tracks. Uh, We'll be right back with more news. The Daily Beans is brought to you by the amazing people that make my favorite pants at Beta Brand. Who says work appropriate can't be comfy and stylish? Now you can have all three with their dress pant yoga pants. They have a style to fit every taste, including straight leg, cropped, wide leg, boot cut, skinny. They have premium denim and they have an eight pocket pant. And Beta Brand pants are made with deluxe four-way stretch pot knit fabric that moves with you. So they're as comfy as your jammies, but work appropriate with fancy details like real belt loops, pockets, faux zippers, and buttons. And they come in dozens of colors colors patterns. Uh, I have four pairs all in black. Um, I travel with them because they're they're wrinkle free. You can't wrinkle them if you try. They're perfectly stretchy for comfortable travel. They're profesh so I can wear them to meetings or cocktail hours and live performances. And with the eight pocket pants, I don't have to carry a purse, which is super helpful for me when I'm traveling. Plus, I get compliments on them all the time. I used to buy my suiting off the rack and I would always have to have it tailored. It would p- still pinch after that and they wouldn't move with me. I couldn't sit cross-legged in these pants. And they have itchy tags so you'd have to cut them out, which makes them 
and itchier. It was just a nightmare. And it was so uncomfortable, I couldn't concentrate on my work. And that's why I wear Beta Brand Dress Pant Yoga Pants. And you have to try these out. Visit betabrand.com slash beans, all lowercase, to get 20% off yours. Millions of women agree these are the most comfortable pair of pants you'll ever wear to work. That's betabrand.com, B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com slash beans, all lowercase, to get 20% off your dress pant yoga pants. Okay, so we are done with the Bill Taylor section of the show. All right. And we are moving into the um, forensic news, wiki strat section of the show. And you're going to want to get your murder boards out for this. This is, a, this is an L word, always sunny level murder board <laughs> that's about to go down. It comes from Scott Stedman's site, forensicnews.net. Uh, it, and they're claiming that um, uh, wiki strat... Uh, recruited Jamal Khashoggi shortly before his murder and about one year after the firm's owner met with senior advisors in the Saudi government. So Forensic News has obtained thousands of documents that include correspondence between a senior leader of Wikistrat and a lower level employee in which the senior leader said Khashoggi had been recruited and told the employee to go out and recruit similar journalists for a project that he was vague about. So why is this important? It's Well, Wikistrat is owned by Joel Zamel. Uh, and about a year ago, he met with those Saudi government officials who, according to a New York Times report, discussed using private intelligence firms like Wikistrat to assassinate traitors to the Saudi crown. So while Zamel supposedly declined the offers, messages show his firm later recruited Khashoggi for a secret project with unclear purposes for an unknown client. Uh, Zamel founded Wikistrat in 2009. He also founded Psy Group, another intel firm that was investigated by Mueller for pitching a social media plan to the Trump campaign, which was bankrolled by Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. And Zamel received a payment of $2 million from George Nader uh, right after Trump won the election. But Trump and his associates have said they did not employ the firm. Uh, according to the documents obtained by Scott Stedman and Forensic News, days after Khashoggi was murdered, the same senior employee at Wikistrat began denying Khashoggi was ever recruited for any project. But the lower-level employee th- said that that seemed off, replying, uh-oh, what if Saudi experts get the wrong idea? With Khashoggi's disappearance, Saudi experts will be le- less likely to join our project. And when Forensic News reached out to Wikistrat for comment, they replied But when faced with publishing, the PR team at Wikistrat insisted it was off the record and threatened to sue, though Forensic News agreed to no such off-the-record terms, and that prompted them to publish the PR statement in full, which you can read at ForensicNews.net. Damn. Uh, Zamel has links, as you know, to multiple Trump associates, including Nader, Eric Prince, and the Seychelles. The August 3rd meeting in Trump Tower in 2016 that Seth Abramson considers one of the most consequential meetings of the grand bargain. Uh, That meeting was initiated by Eric Prince and was attended by Nader. Nader is the guy who's been arrested on child pornography charges. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nader, Trump Jr., Stephen Miller, and Joel Zamel, who pitched, Joel Zamel pitched the Trump campaign, pitched these guys on the social media manipulation plan. And Flynn was approached by Zamel, and later one of Zamel's associates testified that Zamel said Flynn took his money. Uh, and the link between them is con- is a convicted felon, felon from the Mueller probe, Bijan Kian, who incidentally was lobbying with Flynn on behalf of Turkey, where Khashoggi was murdered. And Turkey now has connections to Giuliani, who lobbied for Gulen's extradition and against the indictment of Hulk Bank and Reza Zarab. That's the golden cash smuggler he tried to get Tillerson to get off the hook. Uh, and we know that one of the phone calls stated in the code word cla- or stored in the code word classified system, along with the call to Zelensky, is a call with Mohammed Bonsa or Mohammed bin Salman that took place in the immediate aftermath of Khashoggi's murder. 
Uh, and if that's not enough, Psy Group signed a contract with Cambridge Analytica to provide social media services, and they signed this contract right after Trump got elected. We still have beans that uh, that Mohammed bin Salman Trump call is about Khashoggi, and now we're a step closer to that. So thanks to Stedman and his intrepid reporting. Check them out at ForensicNews.net. And pack a lunch, because the murder board is bananas. Um, this is a really, really crazy story. And it's got a lot of connections, and it goes all the way back to what we were discussing early on in the Mueller report and what Seth Abramson wrote about in um, Proof of Corruption, Proof of Conspiracy, Proof of Collusion, his two books. And uh, proof of Corruption will be the third. <laughs> it's <laughs> my Proof of Corruption. There you go. There's, the, there's your new mm-hmm. third book. Uh, so that's just bananas, I think. I thought that was crazy. That is insane. That takes, honestly, a lot of processing time for me. So I have nothing to add right now. Okay. It's Any a big question? picture beans. It, yeah. And, and it's yeah. a lot of detail, too. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, if you think about the ties between, you know, XAML and Wikistrat trying to sell, or with Psy Group trying to sell this social media program mm-hmm. to Trump on August 3rd, 2016 in Trump Tower with Stephen Miller and Nader, who was representing UAE at that point, uh, and Eric Prince and Jr. And, and also then later making a deal with Cambridge Analytica um, a couple months later, or no, uh, uh, yeah, a couple months later, because that was at 2016, and it was just after that that they signed that deal. <clears throat> then and and of course, like I said, we had that payment from from Nader to Zamel, two million, and and Zamel's only worth or Nader's only worth three million, and and two of it's in cryptocurrency, <laughs> which is already <laughs> sketch as fuck. Mm-hmm. So you have just all these connections going on, and it all seems to come back to that August third meeting, and you know, and now we've got all these links with Khashoggi, and now we're finding out about this call in the system with Mohammed Bonsa. Why? Why would they have hired him? Do you think? I think they were recruiting him to kill him. Right. That's like the only thing that would make sense given their other escapades with trying to. Because Wikistrat and Psy Group are both XAML productions. Yep. Right? So, <laughs> if, if yeah, most of their work, it looks, is, is not in the pursuit of truth, which is what Khashoggi, I imagine, uh, had a reputation for. Yeah, that was his whole... All around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and... There's no, like, why... Yeah. Well, the New York Times said that XAML met with high ups in the Saudi government uh, and discussed using private intelligence firms to assassinate traitors to the crown. Mm-hmm. I think oh, yeah. Kushner is the one who uh, gave up uh, Khashoggi, but, and then Saudi could have had Zamel recruit Khashoggi, uh, and, and, that, and then all of a sudden when Khashoggi was murdered, the, the folks at Wikistrat were like, we never recruited him, we never recruited him. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if it was a lure to get him to come to Turkey, but because yeah. I thought he was in Turkey getting uh, something done with his marriage license. Yeah, that's that was the story for a while, right? He was just... That's still the story as far as I know. Yeah, that's what's confusing to me is like, what information could Wikistrat get from Khashoggi or, or about his whereabouts that they couldn't get through other means, you know? Right. Yeah, and I don't know, unless yeah. it was to keep a tag on him. To, yeah. to be like to reach out to him to try to hire him for this project and then when they ping when he pings back be like oh he's over here now yeah or if they were getting paid 
to maybe prod him for certain answers and sentiments or something that were then used to weaponize Saudi Arabia's desires to kill him. That's true. They could have been employed trying to... uh, Saudi Arabia could be employing Wikistrat to get him to do something completely different. Mm -hmm. And then the assassination also just happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know... It's just really interesting that the the call between Trump and MBS happened in the wake of it, you know, and then and, then, and it was hidden in that system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a good look in the aftermath of his assassination to hide a call between <laughs> yeah. you and MBS. Yeah. Not a good Not look a great... to hide any call, really. But yes, yeah. specifically mm-hmm. yeah. in that situation. So definitely check that out. It's it's. The article is 10 times longer than what I just presented. There's a lot of information in it. It gives you a lot of the background information, stuff that we've gone over Mm -hmm. in the past, in past podcasts that have taken us a long time to get all the information uh, out. But um, check it out, forensicnews.net. Cool. We'll be right back. On average, a burglary happens once every 23 seconds in the United States, and 83% of burglars admitted they specifically look to see if there's an alarm system, and that's a deterrent. But only one in five homes have home security. Maybe it's because most companies don't make it easy. It can be expensive, it can be bulky, not to mention that cops can't tell if it's a false alarm. And that's why Simply Safe is my top choice, hands down. Um, first of all, there's no contract, and I love that. There's no hidden fees, there's no fine print, and that's really important to me. And the price is right. You get around-the-clock monitoring 24 7 365 for $15 a month, and that's just an amazing price. But the one thing that truly makes Simply Safe stand out is their video verification technology, where other home securities are triggered. A lot of the time, the police assume it's a false alarm and the call goes to the bottom of the list, but not with Simply Safe, because when they use the video verification technology, they're able to visually confirm that a break in is happening, and that allows police to get to the scene three and a half times faster than other home security companies. And for our listeners, Simply Safe has a huge deal going on right now. Go to simplysafe.com slash daily beans and get free shipping and a money back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash daily beans. Simplysafe.com slash daily beans. You'll be glad you did. Okay, welcome back. We're just about wrapping up here. We have some more headlines, though. Senate Republicans have blocked two more election security bills that would provide funding. One would provide funding for states to bolster election security, and the other would create more transparency with online platforms requiring them to make all reasonable efforts to ensure foreign entities are not buying political ads. Seems simple, you would think, that these bills would go through. Um, That second bill with the political ads was sponsored by uh, Amy Klobuchar and Lindsey Graham, But Senate Majority Whip John Thune from Dakota blocked it. It's called the Honest Ads Act, saying it needed to be more bipartisan. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you say that in a more bipartisan way. Especially on something that Lindsey Graham is backing. Yeah. Uh, He just defended the use of the word lynching. Yeah, exactly. And and I just don't get, like, um, ads shouldn't be paid for by foreign countries and women belong in the kitchen is that how you make it more bipartisan <laughs> like i don't understand how it's not republican enough to not want rubles to pay for ads on facebook which yeah. they did last year or last election yeah i don't understand that at all yep i, I think it's just the principle of not cooperating with the democrats on anything right because of course it, that's what it if is it's, if it's led by the democrats it's not a good bill oh absolutely. but it's also led by lindsey graham is what i'm saying that's what doesn't make sense to me oh did i miss that part Oh, yeah. It's, it's co-sponsored by Lindsey Graham. But 
co-sponsored. But they can't get enough Republicans to vote for it. I, Honestly, here's what they're doing. They're not going to let any election security bills go through because they're going to block everything the Democrats mm-hmm. do. And election security is bad for Republicans. They have to come up with some sort of an excuse. So they're just saying it's not bipartisan enough. Yeah. And we're just ripping apart that excuse because, first of all, Lindsey Graham is on it. Second of all, there's no such thing as bipartisanly not allowing foreign countries right? to buy ads. They're just making up excuses. And also more money from foreign governments went into ads that helped their party. Exactly. That, yeah, it's what yeah. They can't win without it. Yeah. Uh, and so the other one, uh, Senator Dick Durbin, Democrat from Illinois, came to the floor with the Election Security Act that would give states a billion dollars for election security and require backup paper ballots. It doesn't say handmarked paper ballots. I'm, I'm going to have to check to make sure that to see if that's if they made that distinction, because that's a very important distinction we learned from Jenny Cohn. Uh, but uh, Kennedy from Louisiana, that fucker blocked it, arguing it had more red flags than a Chinese embassy. Okay. Um, saying <laughs> Classy. Saying the funding was excessive considering our $22 trillion deficit. Huh. Yeah, that deficit was created by the tax bill, first of all. Democracy we, is expensive. Yeah, but I'm just so, because we did our taxes this year. We owe five times what we did in 2016. And it kills me to know that that money my money is going directly into the pockets of r- the rich people right mm-hmm. while security of our elections is just hanging out in the wind among anything else i would like to pay taxes for yeah they're I'm all like proud to be taped to pay to pay tax in fact yeah they're all like there's one person that i will ever be okay with one billion dollars going to and that is the person that does not deserve it <laughs> everybody else can fuck off yeah everyone suck a dick <clears throat> yeah it makes me so mad. It just makes me so mad when I paid that tax bill. Because, you know, sometimes I pay my taxes and I'm like, hey, cool. I'm paying for schools. Like when I pay my property tax, I'm like, this is going to my local school. I don't have any kids, but I'm glad I'm supporting education. When I pay gas tax, I'm like, cool. I know that's going in California to environmental mm-hmm. research uh, and, and stuff like that. When I paid the, my federal tax bill this year, I was just so angry. Um, mm. I know we keep saying this, but why aren't Republicans angry about this? This seems like something everyone should be upset about. Election security doesn't seem like it's a dem- Democrat or an independent or a left-leaning issue. I, I think just because they benefit from it. Well, no, I'm talking being... about not the senators or the, the people in Congress. I'm talking about the average voter. Oh, because they they've also been, benefit. I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. They've been told uh, that we don't need it. And right. They, they believe. They, they believe understand it. that this is to their. They think Russia is a hoax. Mm-hmm. And they, okay. yeah. And they, yeah. I think they, to your point, I think they actually believe that it would be a waste of money. And since they pride themselves on being, you know, fiscally conservative or whatever. Deficit hawks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they take some sort of pride in like not really just, they take pride in following like sheep, I guess. To be fair, these are representatives, so. Yeah, and I guess they're, I, I, you know, I guess the difference between spending a billion dollars, right, in that one bill, because the other one, Amy Klobuchar's bill, mm-hmm. to, to not take foreign money for ads, I mean, that doesn't cost a billion dollars. That's just a new law that you have to follow. There might be some overhead costs, mm-hmm. but that's a pretty much a free law just to have, and it's a good one. And so they couldn't use the it's too expensive excuse, which is 99 times out of 100, their go-to excuse. creating a new boundary. They're just say now they're saying it's not bipartisan enough mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because what what else are they going to say? Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
I need like a like some sort of roundup newsletter every week, which is like Trump perspective for dummies. <laughs> like I just I, I try to read conservative articles now or and just again. Trump perspective. Yeah, so I'm not like in the dark for smarties. I <laughs> I need a I, I I need some like context as to like the perspective of the of, of people who still support Trump yeah. or of the Republican base. Like as things move, I try to understand, but obviously a lot of the things that I'm reading and watching like have a particularly like left leaning mm-hmm. bias to them. But yeah, I just I feel like. I, I'm constantly wondering what people are thinking who, who yeah, as I read this stuff. Sometimes mm-hmm. like Jordan hit it on the head. It's because it benefits them. Sometimes yeah. there's an answer and sometimes there's not. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're like, why would the, I can't even pretend to imagine, you know, usually we can do the, we can translate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, right. But sometimes or, it's just so out there. Like, or it's like, mm-hmm. they're not paying attention to this, you know, the the average voter who is a Trump supporter has enough privilege that they're turning off the news and not paying attention to election security bills the way that we are, you know? Well, if there's ever a time where Democrats are somehow the ones that are benefiting from foreign interference in elections, then maybe that's what it's going to take for them to understand. Fair enough. I would say let's go do it, but I can't. I can't in my soul. It's, it's, against, it's anti-constitutional, you know? Like, it's against the fucking law. The phony uh, constitution? Oh, you know, phony emoluments clause. Phony emoluments clause? Yeah, just whatever. That old thing. <laughs> Pshaw. Well, oh. that'll never happen, though, because it's against, like, democratic principles to do that, That's to engage what I mean. in any of that. That's so, why I can't, like... Right. Mm. Well, well, not even just you personally, but, like, I, there aren't even any countries that I could think of that would conceivably interfere on behalf of Democrats to hurt Republicans, other than someone like Russia, who is doing it to everybody, but mostly against Democrats. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I could see Theresa May being like, "All right, what can we? What can we do?" <laughs> or like France or something. What, I don't know. What can we? What can we get done? Yeah. Maybe Canada. Uh, I'd offer you dirt on Trump, <laughs> but you have it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like who's got dirt on Trump? Everyone. There, everyone. Then. We should. We don't need to get dirt on Trump. That's another thing. Canadians would be great spies if we ever were in a uh, war with you guys again. Because you can blend in so easily. We're going to war with you, though. You're a national security risk. Remember? (laughs) In Fallout 3, that happens, I think. Mm -hmm. Trump said that. that Because you burnt down our Capitol building or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we burned down the White House. Burned down the White House. We did. Finest moments. Just wow. kidding. Just kidding. But yeah, no. Never when forget. You, when you grow up in Canada, you actually... Never forget, you, you, eh? You do learn. It's really funny. Like, it's like the one thing we have. Growing up in Canada, they're like, yeah, they're bigger than us now. They have more money, more people, more important. But that one time, we burned down the White House. <laughs> Remember that one time in band camp? Burned down oh. the White House? <laughs> or that, no, Chris Farley. Remember that talk show we used to do on Saturday Night Live? Hey, mm-hmm. hey, remember, remember that one time where you did this in the movie? Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, another Trump donor is going to plead guilty for failing to register as a foreign agent. We've talked about this guy. His name is Ahmad Zaberi. Uh, he made millions of dollars in contributions to the Obama administration uh, in an attempt to obtain access to persuade them to change foreign policy. He yeah. didn't really, uh, but now he's in trouble for telling, uh, he's now in trouble for telling foreign nationals if they invested in him, he could get access to the presidency. This is basically a guy who travels around the globe to foreign countries and foreign entities and says, if you give me a bunch of money, I'll invest it and donate it through straw donations and I'll get you access to mm-hmm. a policy. So he's yeah. lobbying, just like a freelance lobbyer, yeah. wandering Complete, around. Complete, entirely Farah, not okay. Did it to Obama and then uh, he 
we need to remember he donated almost a million dollars, $900,000 to Trump's inaugural and was singled out for it in a subpoena from the feds in New York to Trump's inaugural. But those charges haven't come up yet or haven't surfaced yet. The inaugural is still under investigation, as far as I know, uh, also including by Tish James in New York. So we'll see how that goes. But these changes, um, I, I think Tish James is is looking into the inaugural. Is it her? Um, I, let me look it up. Yeah, I can't remember. I thought she was looking into the inaugural. It's not Cy Vance. Uh, I know Congress is, and I know uh, the D.C. There's like there's like four investigations into the inaugural right now. Southern District of Southern Omar. District. Um, I'm just seeing here. I don't. I don't see who it is. It just says Southern District of New York. Bear with me. I think Schneiderman opened that, didn't he? Yeah, maybe look up Tish, Tish James and um, see if she's looking into inaugural. Tish James inaugural. I might be wrong on that. Maybe she's not. I wish she was. But that that doesn't seem like it would be her jurisdiction. No, I, I'm finding conflicting information, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to it. I'm, I'm seeing Tish James is doing uh, on his finances, but for Trump inaugural, I'm not seeing who the judge is. Okay, I, yeah. think it's, I think it's Southern District of New York and Congress is what I think it is. And um, I'll clarify that for the next show or you, can, you guys can correct me. Uh, but that is my final answer. Uh, Congress and Southern District of New York. So they're looking into Trump's inaugural, but these charges anyway for, for um, Zubari are from prior uh, to his pivot to donating to Trump. So he doesn't seem to have a political affiliation. He just loves money, travels around the world and says, give me your money and what, whoever's running for president, I'll donate. I'll pick the mm-hmm. winner and donate and then donate to their inaugural through slush funds and through straw donations, et cetera, et cetera. So he's brought up on three charges, faces 15 years in prison on that. All right, let's get social. Hashtag. All right, right now, hashtag Where's Lindsay is trending because of his spineless response to a Trump tweet calling the impeachment inquiry a lynching. Uh, and from the Daily Beast, quote, comparing his political trials to the horrific history of lynching in our country with 3,500 African-Americans murdered between 1882 and 1965, according to the NAACP, my, I, my understanding is that's reported. It could be far higher and probably is, was stunning, but not surprising, coming from our bigoted conspiracist in chief. So when asked about the tweet, Lindsey Graham said, uh, this is a lynching in every sense. That was his response when uh, asked about what Trump said. That is so gross. It's really, really gross. And then he went through what a lynching was and then said, how impeachment is that? Uh, This impeachment, not all impeachments, just this one. Uh, And Twitter is showing this, um, his statement side by side. This this is a lynching in every sense with Graham's 1998 statement, quote, you don't even need to be convicted of a crime. Impeachment is not about punishment. It's about cleansing the office. It's about restoring honor and integrity to the office. So he's gone from that to impeachment is a lynching in every sense. And that's based on Trump's horrific, disgusting tweet that I can't even process. Like, I can't even process that. Yeah. And I'm sure it's just because... I, I, maybe it was a distraction like people are like you got to get tough on impeachment Republicans are telling him that and then Bill Taylor is obviously blowing up his last defense today do you think like was that it or is he or both like what I can't even figure out it's just know. so gross but what Lindsey Graham said is almost worse than what Trump even said that's what I think too yeah yeah to evoke that kind of imagery in response to an inve- to, to to the impeachment inquiry is it's just beyond yeah a process protected under constitution versus the murder of thousands of people yeah. right yeah it's 
similar, obviously very different, but similar to when people will say stuff like, you know, that bank raped me or, or like something like that. Just using yeah, such a visceral, th- Filling out that awful. form gave me PTSD. That I, I hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it drives me... Uh, yep. Yeah. Not to mention... The, it drives me mad. Mm-hmm. And then obviously lynching is just such a far more loaded event he knows that and series of events yeah i think that might maybe it was a stephen miller special you know yeah because use that language it'll piss off democrats it will definitely piss off democrats for sure and it'll get everybody talking about that instead of what's going on behind closed doors uh and what's going on in syria right now because like i said Mm -hmm. putin just made it cut a deal with um turkey yeah it is interesting how embedded in him saying that is him admitting that lynchings were a bad thing. Which is kind of interesting for how his base might receive that. It's a roundabout sort of yeah. admission. Yeah, and I'm not trying to say that Trump Trump supporters uh, think that lynchings were okay. That's not what I'm trying to say. But given his past rhetoric, it is kind of an interesting... Um, that would have been the best clap back right if somebody heard him say that and say oh so lynchings are bad then mm-hmm. yeah and just to see what he would say right then because yeah ever all republicans are sitting there like i don't feel bad for them having to try to defend this president mm-hmm. um but uh they some people have said oh my gosh what sympathy i feel for republicans who now have to walk out and say well the impeachment process is terrible and uh, etc i wouldn't have used that term mm-hmm Then there are a lot of them that come from these districts that are historically just so alt-righty, too. It's like they don't even feel that they I'm sure they don't even feel responsible to come out and make a statement about it. Isn't Lindsey Graham from South Carolina? Yes, from South Carolina. (laughs) There are, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of people of color in that state. Gross. Yeah. Not not that would vote for him. No. No. (laughs) I hope not. Hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not. (laughs) And if you are a a black voter in South Carolina voting for Lindsey Graham, you're probably not listening to our podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll i go fa- as far as that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You aren't probably listening to our podcast. Probably not. Yeah. It is just such a shocking thing. It's shocking to hear just in a tweet. It's even more shocking to see people like Lindsey Graham coming out and doubling down on it. I can't believe it. It's the easiest thing to come out and gain some sort of dignity back bipartisan dignity back to what all other republicans were saying which is still bullshit but at least it isn't saying this is a li- it's not repeating the language right, it's saying like, that it is in every sense yeah not just yeah. Oh, i can see how he meant this is lynching this is a lynching in every sense every mm-hmm. every sense mm-hmm. and and of course this just is donald trump's victim act that he always has to play the victim which to me, I don't understand how his followers and his base can see his, him as a strong person yeah. that is constantly a victim or a playing victim. I'd be surprised if Lindsey Graham doesn't get forced to come out with some sort of apology in, I, in I the think next they couple days. censure him, honestly. Yeah. I mean, that's incredibly like, that's a very violent precedent to set that we're just going to flippantly invoke those words. Yeah. That's, that's scary and not something that should be talked about in such a normalized way like that. And it's the, you know, we've talked about this. A lot of people have talked about it. It's the inch by inch push to get to this point of absolute, you know, people ask how we ended up with the Holocaust. It's these tiny baby steps that make that real. And Mm -hmm. Sarah Kenzier has always done a really good job of describing that. And not that this is a baby thing, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. 
Sorry. I was going to say, Sarah Kenzier has always done a really great job of describing the shift that happens Yeah, as the shift towards a more authoritarian vibe, if you mm-hmm. will. Vibe. Vibe culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To say, to say something like lynching and be playing off of just the general concept of something that is incredibly fair, unjust. Yeah. Yeah. But he's, he's mm-hmm. trying to say the most dramatic thing he can say to try to get the most dramatic mm-hmm. response and support back from his base. Mm-hmm. But again, I just can't, I don't know. I, I can't, I don't even know if that would hit home with his base, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Um, he's he's taking a lot of backlash for it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what um, Lindsey Graham does, if he walks it back, if he apologizes. Why he just, like I said, why he just didn't say, uh, I wouldn't use that language, but I think this is a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. I think this is not due process. I think it's a, an abomination of the, I mean, that's still all bullshit, but to just, uh, I don't understand at all, at all. Yeah, um, I might be encroaching on like things that are not my place to say here, just given the various like incredible nuances of being a black Republican. But they got a statement of a, a black representative who is a Republican about it, and it was also not very condemning. No, it was the same thing I just said. Yeah. I wouldn't have used that language. Yeah. When they asked when they asked him, he said, well, this is a terrible process. It is unfair. They aren't following due process laws. And they were like, yeah, but what about the word lynching? And he said, I wouldn't have used that word. Right. Like that he wasn't Right. He didn't even address it until it was like an afterthought. If so. my memory is correct, I think he also said something like, I could see why he would use that word. Like, oh, I, I didn't Like hear I that could one. see the connection that he was making. I'm oh, f- I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And then the last thing that I heard him say was what you said, was I personally would not have used that word. If you still support Trump, though, at this point in time, then you're used to the cognitive dissonance that comes with supporting him and having to just apologize for the things he says in order to get what you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to be Yeah, but then apologize him. for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Don't say yeah. it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, that, I, yeah. I'm running out. We're out of words. Yeah. Right. We're out of words. It was... Uh, abomination and incredulous and unequivocal a year and a half two years ago and now we're just like i don't have i don't have any harsher words for you uh for the harsher things that are happening Mm -hmm. you've used up all my um superlatives Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's the title for today's episodes we've used up all of our superlatives (laughs) for for real though yeah um i don't know okay well Two more quick things. An anonymous Trump official, the one who wrote the New York Times op-ed, the one that we called Lodestar Supernova, (laughs) because because the author used the word Lodestar in that New York op-ed. They have written an anonymous book, just a white book. It's says a warning, and it says anonymous on the bottom. It's a white prophecy. It's Mitt Romney. It's a white book. From a white house. The author is from Pierre. (laughs) (laughs) Pierre Delecto. C'est moi. (laughs) I'm getting two hot takes on this. I'm getting coward, and I'm getting take my money. Those are the two hot takes I'm getting. No, it came out that he rejected, or he or she, or whoever it was, uh, rejected a seven-figure advance, and actually all of the money is going to go to the White House. uh, Not all. No? But part of the proceeds are going to go to the White House Correspondents Association and other journalists that are working hard Mm -hmm. in the field. Um, Cool. Uh, When I said take my money, I mean I want to buy the book. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But uh, coward is the other one I'm getting. And... I tend to agree. Why Why don't you just come forward and step down and resign and go public? The only 
thing I could think of possibly is that this is a military person, mm-hmm. um, like a joint chief or uh, General Mattis or somebody who can't actually publicly come out against the commander in chief without facing prison time under uniform code of military justice. And so maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Or Pence. Pence oh, is the God, one who Pen- so could you imagine? Crazy. Pence is the no. one who used Lodestar <sighs> all the time. God. In fact, a lot of people speculated when that New York Times op-ed came out, and they said the word Lodestar. I think in there twice. Everyone's like Lodestar, and so people started googling people who use the word Lodestar. And as it turns out, Pence uses the word Lodestar a lot, and mm. so that people speculated, oh, wouldn't that be weird? That would be very weird. <laughs> yeah, just to kind of put another spin on the coward angle, another word that comes to mind is opportunistic. Well, and then Pence should come out and say, it's me, ta-da, I should be president, impeach him, and remove him. Republicans, we high, high five. Yeah, I, I personally do not think that it's Pence. I do think, though, Same. that if it's a Democrat, that also sucks, just for the public image of it, because it's just more fuel to the fire, right, of the Republicans' deep state theory, number one. And number two... Then, if they are Democrats, then yeah, why would they not? It's not a Democrat. Come out. It's somebody high up in the White House, like a like a like a Someone in, level, in his administration. Yeah, high up in the White House uh, official. Right, but there are still well, I guess cat. I mean, people like diplomats or people in the State Department, right? That exist across multiple. Presidency, I guess that could be it. They're not necessarily like a whistleblower, for example, or whatever. But I I honestly, for some reason, have I think that this is a appointee. This -hmm. is somebody hired by Trump, works for Trump. Yeah, somebody trusts. Oh, maybe not somebody he trusts, but somebody he hired. Yeah, I just wish I could know if it was a household name. I know, right? Mm -hmm. Is it? Is it a that we could we could do a fantasy indictment league on it? Because that'd be fun. You know, we could say it could be a rando or it could be. A lot of people are thinking it's Kellyanne Conway. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Jeez, that's how her marriage stays and together. Then, and then somebody's like, hey, maybe she she was anonymous because nobody would buy a book from Kellyanne Conway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well. Yeah. And um, finally, guys, new impeachment poll is out. First time ever, 50% of Americans want to impeach and remove. It's highest it's been. Um, new CNN polling. So, Fuck yeah. yeah. There we are. It was 32% in May. That's pretty high for me. And this is higher than it was uh, at this point in the Nixon investigation, right? Yes. Right. Yes. 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 That's my uh, Jordan. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And then I also have a do it, which comes from Jordan's set (laughs) and a cat sound. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Any final thoughts? I do have a quick one, actually. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it's kind of relevant to what, well, uh, it's it's connected to what we were talking about. I'm horrified by the comments about lynching, but um, it's kind of. I was going to bring this up today. Last night I got tipsy, a couple glasses of wine, and watched nationally Ge- National Geographic YouTube videos, mm. and I learned about a fucking awesome project that I had never heard of before last night, which is um, it's called the Slave Rex Project. And it's in conjunction with the the National Museum of African American History and Culture. And I watched like a 25-minute YouTube documentary all about these divers who go and dive at these uh, known wreckage sites of slave ships oh. in the Atlantic Passage and sort of like honoring their ancestors and honoring, you know, the people who were lost at sea 
on their passage from Africa to the Americas. And it was super fascinating. Really, really, really interesting. And also the museum, uh, the National Museum of African-American History and Culture in D.C. looks stunning. It's, yeah. I really want to go. But if you've never heard of this, it's really cool. And it's a really interesting documentary. All right, cool. What's it called again? It's called, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, if you go to, if you look up Slave Rex Project and National Geographic, you'll find a YouTube video. Rex, R-E-X? Or W-R-E-C-K-S. Yeah, as in like a shipwreck. Okay. Mm, Yeah, super interesting. So fuck Lindsey Graham, but hell yeah, Slave Rex Project. And go learn. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, that's actually a good way to counter the Trump administration is to go learn something. Thanks everyone for your tweets about uh, the Canadian election. That was nice. Didn't yeah. wake up to a horrible result. Well, I told you last night. You did. <laughs> you did. You did. You did. <laughs> I was like, look, look, look. We don't know if it's majority or minority, but yeah, Not the bad guy. <laughs> I don't have any final thoughts, but I thought that those were two lovely final thoughts. So thank you. Yeah. I, I really appreciate Certainly. you guys. And mm-hmm. uh, we appreciate all of you. And so again, please keep sending pod dogs and pod cats. We're, for some reason, it's just a lot of stress right now. And I think it it's, helps. Mm -hmm. Um, and we really appreciate that and please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health I've been AG I've been Jordan Coburn I've been Mandy Reeder and them's the beans The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries our marketing manager executive assistant production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder fact checking and research by AG Jordan Coburn and Amanda Reeder Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. 